With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Howdy folks, this is good old J.R. Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report. And I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. Well, folks, if you've heard the Ross Report before, you know that I love to talk about DDP yoga. Dallas has helped so many people from all walks of life. And, folks, remember this. Here's the important thing. It can work for you, too. It can. If you haven't, head over to ddpyoga.com forward slash Jim Ross and check it out right now. DDP Yoga. Folks, there are no actors, no models. It's just real people with real transformations. That's simple. For instance, check out Jared Molenkoff, who DDP met on the streets of Utah. Jared had lost 190 pounds in eight months doing DDP yoga. And then, fast forward nine months later, and Jared's lost 313 pounds. Amazing. And it's true. And it works. There's no gimmicks. So don't wait. Go to ddpyoga.com forward slash Jim Ross and check out all the great deals DDP has for the listeners of the Ross Report. And he takes really good care of you folks as well. No doubt. There's also the DDP Yoga Now app for working out on the go. Available on iOS and Android. Again, I encourage you. Do something good for yourself as simple as going to ddpyoga.com forward slash Jim Ross and be on your way to not only change your life, but to own your life. What was that address again? Well, that would be ddpyoga.com forward slash Jim Ross. Uh-uh. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice. Welcome to the Ross Report. Yes, indeed. Slobberknocker Audio is on the air. Hi, everybody. Thanks for downloading the Ross Report. Absolutely free for you. I know many of you went to Apple Podcasts. Hit that uh, subscribe button. We appreciate that. Left a few five-star ratings and a couple of comments. We appreciate that as well. Big show here today. You know, it's a ma- massive week in my... I started to see my professional life. It's a massive week in all phases of my life. Meaning that Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling, is in bookstores now. Barnes & Noble got our book. Uh, books a million, Amazon killing it. They're doing their shipping. They're doing a great job. So Amazon's a great source as well. It's available in audio books, e-books, whole nine yards. So we're going to talk to Paul O'Brien, my Irish brother that bailed me out after the untimely death of Scott Williams, where everything fell into the lap of Paul O'Brien, who's amazingly creative and stimulating 
novels, Blood Red Turns Dollar Green series, uh, is what led me to him. Unlikely relationship, but I think you're going to like what we produced in our book. So we'll talk to Paul O'Brien in just a few moments. But first, ladies and gents, here's what's on my mind. It's time! It's time! It's what's on JR's mind? Okay, as you know, our autobiography, Slavernocker, My Life in Wrestling, is now available wherever books are sold, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, and fine bookstores everywhere. Now, hey, look, this has been a long journey, man. Interesting journey. Heartbreaking at times. You know, I never saw poor Scott Williams' uh, untimely passing coming. Obviously, neither did his family and his other friends. It was a shock, and it left us too soon. As big a wrestling fan as I've ever been around. But thank God, uh, hooked up with Paul O'Brien after finding reading Blood Red Turns Dollar Green. So the results is what's on the shelves. We love it. Hope you will, too. Mick Foley said that I could tell that my book was going to be good. By the time I got through doing most of the promotion, I'd still like it. <laughs> so far, I have. And Amazon's doing a great job of getting it out there. Uh, I've had uh, friends on Amazon Prime have killed it, done good. So I'm doing a lot of grassroots marketing, a lot of media for the book, including this week I'm on the Wrestling Observer with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. Appreciate them uh, bringing me on for an hour on their radio show. Uh uh, and then I've done a lot of local radio all around the country. And then I'm doing the Audible podcast with Bruce Feldman and Stuart Mandel. Uh, on, that's a Fox radio uh, thing, I believe. And then I, I've done uh, Fox radio this week with Clay Travis. I'll kick a coverage. We're getting out there. And we're, we're getting these book. these tours are being scheduled. I should know something in a few days about where we're going. I know we're going to Houston and Chicago and Los Angeles and New York and Pittsburgh, I think. But there's a lot of places we're going. I just don't know where they are right now, but we'll have that information. I'm really going to put the effort out to do everything I physically can to make this book a success. And I and, and many of you know why I'm doing it. It's not always oh, doing it for the money. Well, okay. Wise ass. Uh, I'm doing it because I got this woman still in my mind that I was with for 25 years. And a lot of this book is about her. You gotta have to look for it, but there's a hell of a love story in this book. And it's not gonna run off for wrestling fans, I can promise you. There's plenty of wrestling, plenty of stories, plenty of fun stuff. So I'm gonna hit it hard. And uh this it deserves that. All Scott's efforts. My wife had a big part of this book. She had a huge part of my career, so I almost said I can't do it after she died. But I'm glad we did. Gosh, I'm glad we did. Remember, if you want signed copies of Slobberknocker, they while they last, I'm told they're available at PremierCollectibles.com. PremierCollectibles.com has signed copies, and I believe they ship them anywhere. And then the audio version of Slobberknocker is available at Audiobooks.com and at Amazon. I'm very curious and kind of anxious to see what you think about the audio book. I read it. I don't want to break my arm patting myself on the back, but the problem would be I had a hard time getting through it. And so we did a lot of pickups and started over. So I'm anxious to hear how it sounds, and I'm because I haven't heard it either, but it's got a lot of emotion, real emotion in it, because I was reading about real things that affected my life and still affected this very day. But the book is out. E-book, audio, hard coffee, straight to roll. We're ready to rock and roll here. And, you know, there's a lot of really good books. 
I look at this like a lot of the podcasts. You know, I'm very uh, up about promoting podcasts. Steve Austin's podcast, Chris Jericho's. There's a lot of guys. You know, Bruce Pritchard and Conrad's got a great one. Uh, my friend Tony Schiavone, Conrad. Oh, Connie, my bond. He looks like Tom DeLuise. He's so cherub. I love those cheeks. Connie. So they do a great job. But there's a lot of real good books right now. The Second Nature with Charlotte and Ric Flair's book. Big hit. Great read. Good story. Really good story. Chris Jericho's uh, No is a four-letter word. Also another compelling read. That from the man that we're taking many of us on a cruise next fall. We'll have more on that, certainly. Considering I'm hosting that cruise. I don't get seasick either, kids. I didn't get more information on that if you want to go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com, by the way. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And another, by the way, I haven't mentioned this much here, and I'd, I'd like to know more, talk more about it. A uh, really good book, uh, I thought. A.J. Lee's uh, Craziest of My Superpower. It's a New York Times bestseller. Congratulations to A.J. Lee. And all these books are, along with Slobberknocker, can be ordered and quickly delivered from Amazon.com. So good time to be a wrestling fan for the product on television. And I would say some pretty good wrestling books out right now that you might want to check out. Much like the other wrestling podcasts that uh, folks have. Jim Cornette's podcast is phenomenal. He's absolutely hilarious. Why somebody has to put Cornette on, like, you know, MSNBC, he'd be phenomenal, wouldn't he? God almighty. You talk about ratings. I'd like to see Cornette and Rachel Maddow do something. That's a combination. That's a pair to draw to, as my daddy would say. So anyway, uh, a lot of good podcasts, books, and I can't speak for all the talents to do these. I try to promote their products as much as I can. Eric Bischoff's got a good podcast. Lance Storm and uh, Don Callis got a good one. Uh, MLW does a lot of good stuff. They got a big wrestling show this week. Check that out on digitally, MLW. So a lot of good, good stuff and good time to be a fan. This Sunday, WWE Hell in a Cell is going to be on uh, in Detroit. The new, the new, was really cool too. Little Caesars Arena in the Motor City, hosting his first WWE event. I believe that's right. At any event, it's the first major event there for WWE. It won't be the last on the WWE Network. Hell in a Cell, strong card. And you look at this thing, depth wise and quality depth. That's always a key thing. There's one thing to have depth. It's another issue, and even the, and a much better deal to have quality depth. This card has quality depth. Hell in a Cell matches. Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon will be a human demolition derby. It'll be stiffer than a Joey Chitwood thrill show. And then you have a Hell in a Cell match, which may steal the show. Usos versus New Day. Good stuff. I like the, that they have good chemistry. These those two teams, really good. They're unselfish. They they work hard and they want to have the best match on the card. And why the hell not? Jinder Mahal defends the WWE title against Shinsuke Nakamura. I expect Mahal to win that match or retain the title. I'm thinking, but maybe not. Who knows? I don't have a feel for that match, so I'll just be I'm going to be very transparent. I don't have a feel for it. But I think Mahal probably retains. And he's still he's still on his journey to get quote unquote over 
and establish as a WWE champion. It ain't easy. It ain't automatic. Natalia and Charlotte should be a classic for the women's title, SmackDown women's title. If they're given the time to go do their business, it'll be terrific. And I wish them the best of luck. I like both those ladies. AJ Styles, U.S. title, Baron Corbin, the challenger. This is really an opportunity, sublime opportunity for Baron Corbin. He's a jock. He's a former NFL player. You got a chance now to, to hunt with a big dog because ain't no better entering bell to bell worker in the world than AJ Styles. So big boy, Baron Corbin, come get you some. Let's see what you've learned. Be aggressive and be a badass. And listen to AJ. Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, interesting matchup. If that match is not good, it's just because the audience crapped on it for some reason. And that would be a shame. Unnecessary shame. Two really, really good talents in Roode and Ziggler. Cannot have a bad match. Oh, what hell, I didn't jinx them. And then we have Randy Orton, who apparently, from what he said on Edge and Christian's podcast, another good one, see, I'm plugging everybody today, is against Rusev, who apparently I'm supposed to dislike because he's from Bulgaria. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why I'm supposed to be pissed off the Bulgarians. If you know, tweet me, will you? At JRBBQ. So, big show this week. We'll be uh, checking that out. And uh, I'll be joined by Jason Powell, ProWrestling.net, will join me next week to talk about Hell in a Cell and other items of business. I'm going to change that up a little bit, too. I think you're going to like next week's format a little bit, so check that out. The creative and enterprising Young Bucks created a stir recently when they invaded. Oh, they invaded WWE Raw and Cali, where the Bucks reside. And uh, somebody asked me how I thought Vince McMahon might react to this uh, somewhat bold promotional stunt. And my thought was that the WWE chairman would likely forget it even happened within a day or two, unless somebody reminded him, meaning that it wasn't that big a deal. Let's don't go crazy here. It's not now, you know, I'm not talking about the, if there's marketing issues or things of that nature. I don't know. I don't know all that legal stuff. I don't, and I ain't going to know cause I don't want to know it. But I can tell you that, uh, uh, the, the publicity stunt is what it was. I applaud it. The Young Bucks and their Bullet Club cronies remind me, folks, a little bit of the some of the really, really talented but somewhat maverick old-school territory wrestlers who took calculated promotional risk. They played their hand pretty hard sometimes with the promoters, but they did promote in a grassroots way. The Bucks do that, certainly. While generally taking a significant role in their own creative, and certainly the Bucks have done that to their credit, and, you know, but sometimes I'll tell you the taking care of your own creative sometimes will make you challenging to work with because you put a lot of pressure on yourself. It's your idea. Why is it your idea getting over? Maybe you shouldn't be creating your own ideas. I'm not sure about the t-shirt things and marketing stuff again. I don't, and I don't care. Everybody's making money. I'm happy, including the young bucks that I like, but I can tell you this, by the way, don't think for one minute that the Young Bucks' entrepreneurial skills were overlooked whatsoever during the so-called invasion. Write that down in the book. I think they made the list.
and maybe it's not a bad list. It's my take on it. I can see them in WWE someday, without a doubt. If they don't, I'll be shocked. They are two of the guys that have led the way this independent circuit in doing uh, various bookings, whether it be indie shows or ROH or New Japan or, or combinations. A lot of guys are making good money right now. I'm so happy for them. No doubt. Very happy for them. I heard some unfounded rumors. I didn't quite get this. That WWE really wasn't overly motivated to do business creatively with Enzo Amore. I read this. I've read it online on many places as if it's true. And here's what I'll say about that. Uh, I'm not there. I don't, I don't have the help. And neither most of you, right? Uh, we just read, we react, we observe. But here's the deal. If WWE wanted to not do business with Enzo Amore, they simply wouldn't. They can afford to send him home if they don't want to do business with him. If they don't want him around, they can afford to send him home and he'll get his weekly check until another direction, another decision is made. I see the guy closing raw two weeks in a row, right? So is that the mark of somebody that the creator doesn't have anything for, or the company is getting, uh, you know, wringing their hands about how, what we do with this guy? I don't think so. So here's the thing about Enzo. He's, he's a unique personality. He's pretty damn natural. He's a crazy son of a bitch. No doubt about it. But he makes you look. He's very unique in today's marketplace, folks. That's all I'm saying. And I do think that 205 Live, which I like, but I'd like to like it more. Is that, are you with me on that? Do you feel me? Had you rather fight a man than make love to a woman? I don't know if you had or not. Most guys wouldn't. But 205 Live needs a, needs a creative boost. Give me another reason to tune in. That's all. And Enzo might be able to supply what's needed. Let's wait and see. So I like the booking. I think it gives every cruiserweight in the company a goal, and that's to beat Enzo's ass and win, and win the title. Wow. Man, that little check gave him a human chest and made the title worth more. Now, with all that said, nonetheless, I still see Neville as the cornerstone for the 205 brand at this time. No doubt. In any event, big week, fun week, great conversation coming up with Paul O'Brien. I think you're really going to dig this. And, uh, yes, we're trying to sell our book this week, but uh, a lot of cool things going on. And, again, Sunday at Hell in a Cell, I'll be watching, probably doing some live uh, tweeting uh, at JR's BBQ. And then on Monday night, Jason Powell and I will, after Raw, we'll, convene and and huddle and talk about raw and uh hell in a cell and whatever else is on our mind so that's that and that ladies and gentlemen by golly is what's on my mind podcast one sports presents attack each day the harbaugh's podcast every tuesday you can hear jack harbaugh we're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind jim harbaugh what the hell's going on around here and jt rogan share their stories from on and off the field past guests include john harbaugh espn's adam schefter and pardon my takes pft and big cat so don't miss an episode of attack each day the harbaugh's podcast every tuesday exclusive on podcastone.com and the new Podcast One app. Just a sample of what's coming to Podcast One Sports. The Ross Report. Man, it is the middle of the night where my guest is as we record this. 
Paul O'Brien is in Ireland. My the writing guru, Paul. How are you this fine evening? I am absolutely perfect, Jim. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for staying up late. I heard him say that one time on television. I think it's kind of cool. Thanks for staying up late with us. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's launch day here in Ireland. It might not be launch day with you yet, is it? Yeah. Uh, no. Just it's, because of the time difference. No, no it's uh, where it's right now for me. It's in the eight o'clock hour, eight, right? Eight p.m. So it's the way I'm here. Yeah. So we're 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 good. Now that we've established our time and where we are and who we are, how you been? That's been it's been an amazing journey, Jim. Uh, just because we are at launch day, past launch day, but I'm just looking back on the whole journey, and uh, yeah, it's been quite a trip so far. I have to mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. it has and, been. Uh, and the public is only going to get their hands on the book. I see a lot of buzz out there. I see a lot of, you know, great reviews. People are really enjoying the story. So I think it's kind of a mission accomplished as far as uh, as far as the writing part of this book yeah. is concerned for for both of us plus Scott as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been an emotional journey. I don't think I, well, I know I didn't. I didn't even mildly comprehend the worst cases, worst case scenarios. I never thought about my wife getting killed 30 seconds from my house, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think, I I didn't, Scott seemed to be a healthy, sound, body and mind guy. And, you know, heck, uh, all of a sudden, bang, he's gone. So, Explain how this, uh, how our partnership came about in your own words. You know, I, I written publicly about how I feel, you know, you're my yeah. Irish brother and you heard my voice and you heard me, we plugged in. There was never an issue on content or philosophical, not one damn time. Yeah. We were on the same page and felt the same that we wanted to do a honest book we wanted to do a book that did not have, that didn't shortcut on things that were important. So, yeah. so that told us right there, Paul, that we couldn't do my whole career in one book. Yeah, it's all true, Jim. I mean, for, right back from the start for me, I, I wrote a, a series of wrestling novels called Blood Red Turns Dollar Green. And I was kind of hustling around the edges of uh, wrestling, trying to get names such as yourself, maybe to take a look at these novels, maybe tell your uh, fans and followers about it. And uh, I got some really uh, great response from yourself and Bret Hart and William Regal and Finn Balor and Becky Lynch and so on. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it might have been those books um, that kind of spurred you into asking me on the Ross Report right. uh, a, co- a couple of years ago. Yep. And then after the interview was over, you and I just kind of hung on the phone for about 20 minutes. And uh, you started telling me about uh, the book that you were writing, your autobiography. <laughs> And, um, you know, would I take a look? And, I mean, I was, I have to say, it was an absolute honor even to be asked to take a look at the, uh, you know, the, the few chapters that were kind of up on his feet at that stage. Um, so you sent me on, uh, maybe a chapter or two. And then I cheekily, uh, rewrote the chapter between, one of the chapters between you and your father. Yeah. And the strangest thing to say, Jim, is because there's a lot of miles between us, and there's a there's a couple of years between us. But I absolutely got your story. Wow. The second that I saw it, the second that I read it, the second that I read the relationship between you and your father, I tossed this. You know, I know the story. I I know Jr. on TV, and now that he's let me read the chapter about he and his father, I think I might be able to add something here. So 
I just made a few changes and I sent them back to you. And uh, I didn't hear anything for about a week. And I thought I had offended you. <laughs> I thought, oh no, you know, Jim Ross uh, hates what I what I've done here. And uh, but I was, you know, I was blown away to uh, to hear when when you did call. That bought you and your wife Jan um, were, you know, were touched by the way that I handled that chapter, and it was a pretty easy process from there, Jim. Um, you know, you got Barry on the phone, and we worked something out, and, oh, yeah. and uh, all of a sudden we had a tight writing team, bought me, self and yourself, and of course Scott as well. Uh, so it was going to be a three-man team, almost like uh, you know the old WCW days. So well, you know, Scott was so valuable in so many areas, but historical data. You yeah. Know, the one thing, another thing was a pet peeve of mine is that, uh, and I'll preface this by saying that over the years, either because of my position in WWE as an executive or hall of fame guy that used to be an executive, I got every book that was published by anybody in our company or another company sent to me. Yeah. They, a lot of them wanted me to read it, which I was privileged and, and happy. Uh, mm-hmm. that they thought enough of my opinion want me to read their book or have them on the podcast here and, you know, shoot the breeze and sell some yep. books like we're doing tonight, quite frankly, you know, you're yep. honest, honestly, but Jan read all those damn books right. cover to cover. I've read some yeah. that I didn't finish. They, I, yeah. they tapped me out. They yeah. kicked my fat Oklahoma ass and I'm done with <laughs> you book. Uh, I got through half of it and then, you know, I look at some pictures and I'm done. But Jan, would, she would made it all the way through. I remember coming to bed nights, many nights, where yeah. she was sitting there, and I could still see it in my, my face right now, this very minute, yeah. of her in that bed reading a book. So the thing that we wanted to do was she, she'd ask me things, honey, is this, is this true? Yeah. And I'd say, I'd say, what is it? She'd read it. I said, no, it's not true. <laughs> it, wasn't about, it wasn't a salacious thing about, about me. Yeah, it was like, did so and so really do such and such? No, yes. No, no. That's that fable has turned into to fact yeah, over exactly. the years. Yep. So I, I wanted to write for us to. We were, I think we accomplished being honest. I don't think we shortchanged any stories. And I think it gives people. I don't think you have to be an all American or an all Irish or an all anything. You can just yep. be a guy or or yeah. a gal. And yep. get and get this book, cause look at that, look at my fat ass. I'm not no star athlete for God's sakes, you know. I'm just a guy who was yeah. a wrestling fan that had the ability to yarn a story, yeah, and tell a story and weave the story and the fabric of that story into your psyche a little bit. So that was all that was. It wasn't. It wasn't. And I had two great grandfathers, as you and I talked about, that they gave me. A, I went to a prep school. I tell them big, long stories. <laughs> One of the things that's been tough about this thing is I didn't realize that when what we wrote yeah. was going to be so hard for me to read. Yeah. I think, I think that's a testament to you, though, Jim. You know, like I, I was kind of maybe at the start, I was kind of, um, you know, asking you to move a little bit more into the personal. You know, let us, let us know Jim Ross. You know, we all know and love JR all the years that we've seen him on various TV shows and, you know, wrestling events and, and, um, but in fairness to you, you, you dove into that. You, you know, you gave me everything that I asked for. You answered every question that I had, you know, because I wanted to learn the amazing wrestling stories with this journey that you spoke about, which is like, I couldn't believe, for instance, that Jim Ross 
used to play wrestling with you know toy sto- uh, toy soldiers as action figures. Mm-hmm. Like I used to do that. I was doing that in Ireland, you know, years later. And I just thought, you know, like, we're all, we have a commonality here. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a human element to this book that I think, uh, like you said, Jim, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, and it doesn't matter if you're male or female, and it actually doesn't even matter what age you are. Oh. If you, you know, if you want to read a story about a guy who came from humble beginnings, you know, one stage we were talking about, you know, uh, from the farm to the garden, as in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and I think that really encapsulated it uh, for me, uh, you know, your journey to get from a farm to Madison Square Garden was, was just such an amazing story. I, 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 I actually couldn't wait to uh, help write this story. You did what great wrestling fans have been doing for decades, long before you and I got in the game, and that's uh, to emotionally invest in the product that they're supporting into whatever level of their life that would mean. It could just mean buying a ticket and going to the event, or it could mean being a participant, but but you obviously had a long-term love affair with pro wrestling to some degree. I'm thinking, right? Absolutely. It's uh, been 30 years plus and, you know, growing up on an island like Ireland uh, 30 years ago, you know, people talk about how hard it was to get wrestling content. I mean, I literally had to go to the next country. So I had to go <laughs> to the UK. <laughs> and I'd fill up my suitcase full of uh, Coliseum home videos. And I'd bring them back to Ireland. Uh, and then I, I was the guy that everybody knew uh, had a wrestling I smell, I smell a bootleg deal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so everyone used to knock my door and say, hey, can I swap you this video for that video? Or... I mean, uh, yeah, and I still am. My daughter is a wrestling fanatic. My wife loves us. We're a wrestling family, you know. We're we're proud of it. We travel over to the U.S. We we go to WrestleMania. We go to the you know the uh, live events. We we buy the t-shirts. We're we're in. We're we're lifers. <laughs> yeah, you buy shirts, <laughs> phone fingers. We're there, baby. Uh, was there a storyline? Or is there a rivalry? A feud? As I like to, though, wrestling magazines like to talk about the feuds. Yeah. Uh, you know, as if these two guys that were feuding at the garden, if they saw each other at Walgreens or the, yeah. or the grocery store, they'll break out in the damnedest fight you ever saw. Put the children away. My God, it could, ha- <laughs> it could happen any moment, ladies and gentlemen. But so who was it that rivalry or that star that captivated you and, and, and opened your eyes to this crazy world of pro wrestling? Well, for me, it was probably, be, you know, 1987 ish around that era. So, you know, it was coming up, but like the, I think the most perfect, WWE or F pay-per-view for me was SummerSlam 1991. It just had everything that that WWF was. It had, you know, the, the, the wedding and the great wrestling and, you know, with the perfect and Bret Hart match. You know, they had the great six-man kind of opener. You know, the boss man versus the Mountie with all the vignettes after that. And, yeah. You know, so for me, Jim, once I saw that as a total package, like I loved wrestling. And I was mostly getting wrestling matches. But once I saw that this pay-per-view was kind of telling the story from one match to the next to them, I think that was the first time that I got it. You know, it was like, it's the difference between hearing a single on the radio versus hearing a whole album. When I heard the whole album of SummerSlam 1991, I just, this, this is it. I'm, I'm totally in. And at that stage, I had been watching for, you know, maybe three or four years. That's a real interesting perspective. Real unique way... And I would say a spot-on way 
how many of us wrestling fans should look at the product a little bit more. Look at the album. Yeah. And not just one song off the album. Yeah. Look at the, so in other words, I think maybe in my clumsy way, I'm saying that when you see an angle shot yeah. as a fan, or uh, we, we watch uh, something develop on television that we don't understand, or at the moment, at that moment, we're not crazy about. Yep. What we're obligated to do, at least my take on this is, is be patient. Yeah. Let it play out. If it plays out poorly, have at it. Yep. If it's halted, if it's abruptly stopped, if it's, it becomes totally illogical, then, you know, have at it. Do what you love yeah. to do in your 140 characters or less. I agree. I agree. And then I think the onus as well is on the, you know, is on the TV show or whatever. Cause I know, for instance, you love Red Donovan and, you know, there's, there's, there's amazing serialized TV out there at the moment. I think then it's incumbent upon the person who's asking you to be patient. So whether that's WWE or whether that's Showtime or Red Donovan, that they paid off for you at the end. And this is what I really loved again, just about SummerSlam 1991, uh, that there was, you know, the, the start of that Bret Hart, uh, Mr. Perfect match was a beautiful kind of slow build. But these guys were so amazingly good at what they did that I, I could have watched that. I could have watched them building that match for a couple of hours and I knew I was going to get the big payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what enthralled me as a fan and, and still does to this day. Yeah. You know, when there's certain. You know, uh, the, the, I'm a big, big fan of yeah. today's wrestling. Yep. I really am. Uh, and yep. I'm a big fan of our wrestling population. Uh, the men and the women that are in the business and they're doing their thing, oftentimes not in the most desirous ways of small payoffs and long yeah. trips and no amenities, things of that yep. nature, bad rings, yeah. clumsy ass opponents. But I admire their will, their grit and their desire to live their dream. And some yeah. of them are living their dream. Everybody should re- come to the realization that everybody's not going to headline WrestleMania. But there's wonderful dreams that one can experience without doing that. But that would always be my goal if I was a wrestler. The yeah. one cl- clean cut deal, Paul. What do you want to do, kid? I want to headline WrestleMania. Yeah. Why? If you're a wrestler, why wouldn't you want to do that? I couldn't agree more. And I think you know, the, the problem, as I got to know wrestlers and I got to know people in the wrestling business, the one thing that I, I has struck me is the difference between people who get to that high level and not sometimes isn't a physical thing and a lot of times it's a confidence thing or it's a mental thing and it's quite fascinating for someone like me because I, I'm, a, I'm a therapist here in Ireland I have been for about 15 years a cognitive therapist and to see and hear people of you know they come across as such megastars on TV and then you know you, you kind of talk to them and you realize that it's some of the issues, Jim, between getting there and not getting there can be all upstairs. You know, they can have amazing bodies, amazing movesets. They can, you know, the amazing psychology. But, uh, and that, that to me was actually the most fascinating thing from spending a long periods of time with people that do this for a yeah, living. The fine line. There's a fine line. Yeah. You know, the old, the old adage, oh, there's a fine line between uh, good and evil. There's a fine line yeah. between genius and insanity. There, you know, all that fine yeah. line. Okay. Well, there is a fine line uh, sometimes between a talent making it and not making it. In my experience, yep. it's more often not mental, right? not physical. Yeah, It's not because she said, well, man, if he's only two inches taller. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> Come on, stop. Yeah. Stop yeah. making excuses for yourself. But I think that these kids are uh, so talented athletically. They're, yep. They eat better. They're smarter. Uh, they're yeah. smarter on travel. They're learning how to, and I use the term manipulate, but not in a negative way, but to work mm-hmm. within and manipulate to their advantage, social media, selling yep. their products, uh, marketing their appearances, interact with the folk out there, which is imperative. Yeah. I've said this, and it's been taken in a variety of ways. I said that the big dog in the yard, the WWE, is always mm-hmm. going to be the big dog in the yard. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything other than that. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't play in the game. It doesn't mean other teams can't make money. Other companies can't make money. Yeah. None of that. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. If you got good wrestling, you're going to find a TV home. Yeah. And if you, but that's the heartbeat. That's the issue right now. Do you guys get Impact Television, Impact Wrestling over there in Ireland? We do. Yeah, yeah. We got it through to UK. Is it is it on a, on a decent station? Uh, it's on a, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, no, and it's and it's quite hard to guess. You know, most of the Impact Wrestling I would see would be online. Like I, just because I'm a wrestling nerd, I would go and seek it out. Okay, but it's it's not one of those programs, Jim. That if you're just flicking, that you'd end up, you know, on it and think, oh, what is this amazing product? It's really kind of hard to get uh, this side of the water, which is unfortunate. It really is, you know, because there's some amazing talent. Yeah, it is. Here's the thing, and I believe wrestling fans should unite in this one sentiment of this whole damn show. Is mm-hmm. other than buying our book, uh, yeah, you know, come, come on, you know, yeah. help, help a brother That's out, a given. help a brother, I have a brother out here. The twins need new shoes, Jim. Yeah, baby needs new shoes, Paul. <laughs> baby needs new shoes. You've heard that a few times. And that would be to do our best to support all pro wrestling. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you have to watch them all for the same number of hours or invest the same amount of money or the same investment of time. If nothing else, you're not knocking what you perceive to be inferior products. Yeah. There's got to be better use of our time than to go on relentless and countless rants about what's wrong with everything. And God almighty, Hey, isn't that kind of the way of the damn world right now? It is. It really is. I got, I got sucked into it myself a few years ago where I just went through this, like everything is terrible and nothing is worth watching. And, and then I just had to take a little step back. And I have to say, I love professional wrestling. I want to see it thrive. You know, we have a amazing company, an amazing company here in Ireland as well, called Over the Top Wrestling. You know, Jordan Devlin, Session Martina, just amazing, amazing wrestlers. And it's kind of at that level that I started to find my love for it again. Mm-hmm. And then as my daughter got older, and she now loves WWE, we just uh, we, we sat down and watched all the May Young Classic, which you were fantastic oh, as part of, Jim. Um, just last night we finished it. And, you know, that's where my love for WWE now is, that I can sit on my sofa with my daughter, uh, and we can have some, you know, father-daughter time. And, you know, she gets to ask me all the weird and wacky questions about professional wrestling because sure. she loves it. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what it should be. It should be a tool for bringing families together, you know, whether you're going to the shows or whether you're sitting down at home. Uh, in my opinion, that's, that's probably, a, you know, where WWE is heading, which is to get the whole family involved. I think that makes great business sense for them, but also yeah. as well, it helps grow the product. Very logical. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's business 101. 
However, there will, there will be some of my audience that will be listening yep. that will say, but you guys, you, you old dudes, yeah. you know, you guys, the, the, your time has come, it's gone. And yeah. because anybody knows that TV 14 is going to automatically get you better ratings just by being TV 14. And, yeah. and I'm thinking, okay, hold on here. Hold on here now. Wait, yeah. Let's wait. Let's, let's reevaluate that statement. Yeah. That means that, uh, in my boyhood hero, John Wayne could be in any movie and mm-hmm. it would be a hit. And that was proven yeah. to be false. Some of the most famous and, uh, you know, some of the highest rated uh, TV shows ever are nowhere near TV 14. You know, you have your lighthearted comedies like Friends. I mean, the, uh, the big program around the U.S. at the moment is uh, This Is Us, which is, you know, it's just a sentimental, sweet, uh, you know, uh, show that has nothing to do with TV well, 14. Paul, here's the thing. Yeah. Is someone that is that's sticking their, their flagpole in the turf, as Becker Mayfield did at Ohio State, you don't know anything mm-hmm. about that, but some of my friends do, it's what it is. It's my show, and I throw that shit in when I want to. <laughs> so if someone is uh, hanging their hat, so to speak, on the fact that TV 14 is an automatic hit, that's and they're saying essentially that the, that, that, that roster of Austin and Rock and Triple H and Taker and Sean and D, DX, all those guys, Foley, Jericho, you know, shall I go on, uh, that, that, that played ball in that Attitude Era, that was a talent thing. It wasn't, had nothing to do with TV 14. Now, that talent came coming together and thrown into a mixture became very combustible, which then created a TV 14 feel. And it was a TV for edgy, kind of raunchy. I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, hey, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with my late mother about, you know, she was okay with it, but her older lady friend that was over watching wrestling to see Jimmy on TV yeah. was shocked <laughs> at the women in those little skimpy bikinis. I can and, imagine. Yeah, puppies, yeah. puppies and all that stuff, right? Puppies, yeah. yeah. So, I, think, I think the thing about the TV 14 era, Jim, I think, and as a family self, like, uh, you know, who, who went through that era is – wasn't so much like the blood and the bikinis and all that. It was the, it was the you never know what's going to happen type TV. You know that's the bit I miss about today's wrestling. Now I understand why it's gone and I understand why it's all uh, a lot more ordered than it was. But you know at, at that time when you when you turn on Monday Night Raw, you had no idea what was going to happen. You know, and everybody seemed to have you know a character or a reason uh, for being there. Even the the guys that were a little bit lower down or, and I think that's the type of thing when I talk to wrestling fans now, they just kind of want that, you know, that spontaneity back that, that sense of, you know, like take me on a journey, you know, where not just WWE, but you know, just uh, programming in general. now is is quite a lot safer than it was then. And, um, you know, and again, we know why that is, but I think that's where, where people are probably going mm. with the TV 14 thing. Well, it's just fun memories. You're right too, Paul. I'm just saying that it's just probably for some of them, it conjures up on memories. Yeah. You know, of, you know, Hey, I, I run into people that are big time network professionals. They're in, involved in massive companies yep. that, uh, were attitude era money, not yeah. raw fans. Yeah. I mean, devout. Yep. So, uh, and they take pride in that trivia knowledge. Now they have since migrated or faded away yeah but they're older they have children they have a job mm-hmm. they life changed yeah 
And sometimes when our life changes, wrestling doesn't go with us immediately. Yeah. You send for it later when you're set up and ready to, you know, it's kind of like the, it's like, uh, the old, the old days, you know, you, back in the day where people were coming to America, you know, the land of opportunity yeah. and then they'd send for their family when they got kind of a couple of bucks saved up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, we Irish have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Speaking of that, did you have any relatives that migrated and made America their home? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've just recently uh, traced my family tree back to the 1700s, and a lot of branches of my tree went over to the U.S. and uh, met New York in particular, their home. Uh, I, I myself, I love the U.S. I, I, I vacation there every year. You know, I have done for probably the last 15 years, so I can definitely see the appeal, Jim. You know, I, I dearly love Ireland, but uh, I do love getting on that plane and, and getting over to your country. And I think wrestling, uh, in a strange way, it all comes back to wrestling. Um a lot of my vacations are planned around wrestling events, you know. Uh, we head to Florida. We love to go to NXT. You know, we love to catch some of the live events. And then if there's a, a WrestleMania or whatever the last couple of years, uh, I've been lucky enough to be invited over and get to see the whole backstage thing as well. And, you know, that, that's been a real thrill for me. You know, I got to go to the um, to the uh, Hall of Fame. It's been a real journey since Blood Red Turns Dollar Green came out. I mean, the wrestling community, the WWE community, have fully embraced me and, uh, you know, kind of given me some of the best memories I've ever had with me family, to be honest. Well-deserved, quite frankly, my friend. Well-deserved. And you. now another, we're going to have a best-selling book here. We'll talk more about uh, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. And the funny thing, it's hard. the book's already getting a, little, getting a little bit of a personality and maybe an ego because it prefers just to be called Slobberknocker. <laughs> and that's what I'm getting from on, uh, from the media uh Sovereign knocker. So uh, nobody, nobody, they just, my life in wrestling is, is, uh, there, but it's not being yeah. said much, but, uh, we're going to talk more about uh, our book, some of Paul's, uh, thoughts on it. What's his, some things that may have surprised him, uh, some things that, uh, were clarified, what have you, but more about the book without giving it away. So we got some good stuff to talk about. And today's, uh, uh, WWE as well. They have a big pay-per-view coming up this weekend hell in a cell we'll make touch on that momentarily and we'll do that folks when we come back after you hear from one of our sponsors has been with us since day one and they make this podcast possible along with their our other sponsors and that is true car well folks when you're looking to buy a car it's important that you are getting real pricing on actual inventory now doesn't that make sense real pricing means exactly what you're going to pay for this vehicle and that that vehicle is in stock Real pricing on actual inventory makes all the sense in the world. You're probably thinking, well, how could you think of any other way? Trust me, there are plenty of other ways to make car buying a pain in the keister. Often enough, it's not the case as people configure cars online only to find out later that they're just not available. Actual inventory, you got to have it available, right? With True Car, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing from True Car but from an actual dealer, him or herself, and even more so, a local certified dealer of your choosing that is committed to offering you a competitive market price. True Car users are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with True Car certified dealers. Just makes all the common sense in the world. Folks are over 13,000. True Car Certified Dealers and Nationwide. <laughs> well, when you're ready to buy, visit True Car to enjoy a more competent car buying experience. 
And remember, as Gordon Soley might say, well, some features are simply not available in all states. But thank God, Jen is. My name is Raven, professional wrestling superstar, raconteur extraordinaire, and master of the Lombada, the forbidden dance. Come join me and my sidekick, Busby, for a live, live podcast of The Raven Effect. Yes, sirree, The Raven Effect, my podcast with Busby. That's live, 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 live on Thursday, October 5th at 9.30 as part of the L.A. Podcast Festival Preview Night at the Hollywood Improv. Come join us for this most momentous occasion. Tickets are just $15. That's it? I think we should charge more. Eh. Anyway, they're available at hollywood.improv.com. Hollywood.improv.com. Again, it's the Raven Effect Live. <coughs> Easy for you to say. Hit the Hollywood Improv on Thursday, October 5th at 9.30 p.m. Go to Hollywood.improv.com for tickets and a free cookie. But there's no free cookie? Oh, well, quote the Raven, nevermore. A lot more ground to cover with my writing partner, Paul O'Brien. Slobberknocker, my life in wrestling. at stores everywhere right now. Jump on it at Amazon as well. And I just want to remind you that we thank you so much for subscribing uh, to our show at Apple Podcasts. Uh, you just never miss an episode when you do that. Uh, it'll be automatically downloaded to the device of your choosing, your phone or your tablet. Costs you nothing. It's a big deal for us, and I want to thank you for doing it. And a lot of you have, and I thank you for it. This, this is the Ross Report. All right, back here on the Ross Report. Slobberknocker Audio indeed. It's late night as we record this. Late last night on the gangland hideout of Frank Nitty. Uh, the... Uh, Paul O'Brien is my writing partner, and he is, if I could tell you this, and I don't know how, I, I've, I believe that the way that we formatted this book, Paul, that there's very, nothing's easy, and nothing good is ever easy, quite frankly. Yeah. That's when you screw yourself in life. Yeah. Well, that yeah. was easy. <laughs> okay, if it, if it was easy, here's a, you got two questions to ask. Was it really easy, or was it really worth it? If we're going to do a second book, if we do a second book, it's got to be the same team we have here now, you and me. Yep. And, boy, there's some fertile ground to talk about after, uh, uh, after we close the chapter on, in, uh, in this book. I mean, it, it, gets, it gets really juicy after this. <laughs> it does. And, you know, there's, there was so much uh, juice in this one as well. I mean, I, I know you were talking about in your link before what surprised me with the book. One of the things that really surprised me, Jim, that I didn't know, and I, and I consider myself like a wrestling nerd was, just how much Paul Hammond loves Jim Ross. I had the uh, privilege uh, in researching the book to get on a phone call with Paul Hammond for about three or four hours. And I was, I was, I was struck by just how much he loves you as a person, as a human being, how he's never forgotten the, uh, the stuff that you did for him in WCW when you were protecting him, when you were sticking up for him when nobody else would. Uh, he has never, ever forgotten that. And he got quite emotional um, just talking about his love for you. Wow. And uh, so that, that really struck me. Um, now, I know, like, because I kind of bought into the relationship that you two guys have on TV, you know, especially in. It's pretty organic. Combustibly organic. Organically combustible, I guess, would be a better uh, description. He brought out things in me that other partners over the years mm-hmm. did not. Yeah. And that is not an indictment on the other partners I had. 
namely Jerry Lawler, who I had my longest tenure with. Yep. And mm-hmm. to, to go any farther than to look at how many hours of live uh, primetime television that Jerry and I did uh, yeah. and how many years speaks for itself. I mean, it's, 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 am- it's am- it is amazing, uh, in that yep. regard. And, and at a, at a, what I'd like to think at a high level, considering the time, you know, the, the Turner WCW thing, the Monday night wars, you know, yep. all that stuff. Uh, the storytellers really had to be in place, uh, to get everybody over as best they could. And so it was, I thought we, we provided a nice service. I was glad that we were available to do it because, you know, Vince took great care of us financially. I mean, it was great yeah. money-wise. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what I like is that money somewhere in my bank, okay? Yeah. But those yep. memories right here in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I remember going, I remember those money nights. I remember yeah. getting my fat ass back to the hotel and watching Nitro at midnight. Yeah. So just out of, I don't know, obsession, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing while you were doing that in real time, Jim. Like, I was, you know, I was a new father. I was up at those ungodly hours because we used to get uh, Monday Night Raw here live at 2 a.m., I think it started that. And, you know, I used to offer, I'm probably the only father in the whole world, I used to offer to get up with my crying baby so I could come down, I could switch on Monday Night Raw, I would turn it down really low, and uh, I would feed her her bottle, and she and I watched wrestling. <laughs> and uh, she's 18 years old now. <laughs> We're still doing the same thing, minus the bottle, of course. Yeah. But, you know, I know because I've spent a little bit of time with you. Uh, we've done a show in Orlando this year around WrestleMania time. I see the love and the passion that the fans have for you. <laughs> but I totally understand it. It was a weird thing for me because, you know... I was that guy as well who was on the other side of the TV screen listening to JR and Jerry Lawler walking us through this program that we adored for so many years. And then to see the other side of it, which was, you know, fans queuing up to get a moment with Jim Ross to tell him just how much he means to them. Like, I totally understood where those fans were coming from. That's nice. Well, it's, hey, it's, uh, it's been a, uh, it's been a really, this whole book, I'm going to always look, I'm going to always look back yep. on this book and say that was a, one of the most compelling and emotional yep. and challenging times in my entire life yep. because new venture, I, I wasn't in the WWE envelope, cocoon, whatever you want to say, the corporate cocoons that we, that people talk about in Wall Street and their companies. You know, I was, yep. I stepped outside that bubble to try to get a book published on my own. Yep. And then my writing partner, our writing partner, but he, he wasn't, yep. he wasn't our writing partner too long. It was no. And, and boy, I tell you, you know, people don't understand too, you know, you got, I don't know how much, uh, uh all those transcripts, mm-hmm. all those notes, my God, what are you going to, yeah. what are you going to do with all that stuff? Well, I'm going to keep all that. Uh, it was, I counted it up. It was over a quarter of a million words uh, came in kind of bits and fragments. And, you know, so for me, Jim, it was kind of like the jigsaw puzzle of, okay, you know, what has already been done here? What needs to be done? Uh, piecing all that together, it was almost like, you know, the I had the corkboard out, uh, you know, like mapping the, the scene, yeah. uh, you know, pinning up this. Okay, well, this run seems to be... You know, we have the facts behind that. We need facts for this. We need to do storyline for this section. So for me, it was um, 
and I had never uh, written uh, any non-fiction before, you know. So I'm a fiction guy. I've written uh, three novels and 20 plays and all that, but it's all fiction. So when you have somebody's life, their life story in your hands, um, and of course you and I, like I can't go down and knock your door and say, hey, Jim, I, I forgot this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, yeah, we have a, a few miles between us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and what people might not know is that like you and I have only met you know, maybe for a grand total of, of two hours face to face, you know, so God bless technology. Yes, we were able to jump oh, on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't, I don't have that feeling at all. I feel like yeah. we've known each other for years. Yeah, absolutely. And I can, I can talk to you about anything and we have pretty much have and anything, you know, when I, when I was doing the audio version and I come across certain things that, that we, we put down and, yeah. and the one was, we didn't, we didn't dwell on it. We didn't pour me it. Yep. I didn't need a telethon or a fundraiser. You know, having an issue that I knew was an issue after yep. a while, I caught it mm-hmm. on, the, on the prescription medications. Yeah, yep. And, and the funny thing is that people are going to think, well, JR is going, he's working every day. And I was working pretty much every day. But mm-hmm. I, I never bit. That's not a bitch. And people say, oh, JR is bitching, but he's, he worked all the time. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. Yeah, I'd yeah. worked eight days a week if there were eight days. Yeah. That's just me, man. People would probably think, well, he's on prescription meds. What's, what's, what was he taking? I bet it was speed because mm-hmm. he's, he's working yeah. all the time. And the, yeah. it's just yeah. the opposite. It was, it was Ambien mm. and Xanax. Yep. And, and their good friend Crown Royal. Yeah, they do go hand in hand. Yep. Oh, oh. I think the prescription medication thing will be news to a lot of people. And I think we covered that. I don't know what more we could have said about it. You, I mean, of course, the haze in the barn now with the books printed, books out. Yep. yep. Uh, but I thought we covered that. I didn't run away from it. No, and you were fantastic. That's the, you know, just at the start, I was saying that like anything that I asked you, you know, uh, and sometimes we had to go deep. You know, sometimes we had to ask those questions. You know, was this an issue for you, Jim? Or, you know, how how will we phrase this? How will we? And you were just like just. Just say it. Just tell the story. Yeah. You know, there was no putting a shine on this. There was no trying to polish it up to make it look better than it was or make it look worse than it was. It just, it was what it was. So let's write this thing and let's make it compelling. And I think that's every chapter that we started off, it was like, yeah, this is an amazing story, but how do we make this compelling? Like, how do we tell this in such a way that we're going to pull in any reader, you know, huge wrestling fans, but also as well, like a wrestling fan's wife or partner or, you know, how do we, how do we get them curious to pick up the book after, you know, their, their, their partner or loved one has finished with us. And I think that's what we, we set out to do, Jim. I think we wanted to make this entertaining. I think we wanted to make this compelling. I think we wanted to tell a story of a, you know, at that time, a boy who grew up in a, you know, a rural farm in Oklahoma, who then made it to, you know, be on our TV screens for, you know, the, the run that you had was, was phenomenal. And then how do we do that? By cramming it with, you know, grass wrestling stories and, and stuff that you'd only see in wrestling, you know? Like, uh, I think you even identified who might be the first person in the whole world to wear a mullet. <laughs> and I just thought that that was fantastic. <laughs> you know, our, our traveling hairdresser. And, oh, yeah. 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 You know, Sitting yeah. down in Pat Patterson's basement, you know, speaking of hairdressers yeah. and, you know, that sitting was, in Ric Flair's limo and, you know, it's just amazing, amazing stories. It was, uh, that was such a fun time and all those times. See, and here's the deal. Every, you, you mentioned those buzzwords, mm-hmm. Pat Patterson's basement. 
Yeah. For I can shut my eyes and I'm right back there. Yeah. It was very vivid. It was a very pleasant memory. It was fun. We laughed. We got high. We smoked. Some, yep. Well, you know, the, Pat didn't. Pat's not. Pat was never a smoker. But some of us were passing, and his part, former partner Louie was a <laughs> connoisseur, man. So uh, <laughs> it was part of my journey. Here's the thing about this deal. I don't know if it's a cool story. Here it is, kids. It's a true story. Yeah. It really probably isn't a true, a cool story because this mm-hmm. is something I'd suggest that you do. You know, my I told my daughters that. See, I have never sat down with them and gone over what's in this book. Mm-hmm. Not not one second. Yep. I didn't ask them for any permission. I didn't mm-hmm. ask them for any feedback. That they want to write a daddy dearest book someday. Have at it. Yeah, yeah. But they're not. But point mm-hmm. is. I didn't want them to know how I perceive myself, my ability to be a father. I've never to this day, as we speak this moment, mm-hmm. been overwhelmed with the kind of father that I am Yeah. because I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a good father now, but yeah. I can't make up for those lost years where I, where everything was work, work, work. Yeah. And you know, uh, it was almost a pain in my ass to come home for Christmas. It's sick. It's sad. It's not even a good, yeah. but the business had me by the short hairs, as the grandpa yeah. would say, and, and I didn't fight back. So shame yeah. on me. It's on me. It's on the business. And that was part of your story as well. Like when you, when you left the wrestling business, um, you know, you had that, you had that same drive that you had when you were in the wrestling business, you know? So I found out as well as I was writing the book, I was just thinking, well, you know, JR is just one of these personalities that, you know, Muhammad Ali said once that if he was going to be a bin man, he would be the best bin man in the whole team. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I get that. I understand that. I'm a workaholic myself. So, you know, like, uh, I can definitely uh, relate to him. I think uh, we've done well, my friend. I think we've done yeah. well. And uh, we're, I'm doing a lot of media. And I'm going to, people always ask about if we're going to do a book signings in the UK. <laughs> all the book signings, for those of you that are listening and wondering, wherever it may be, all the book signings are being formulated as we speak. If you'll follow me on social media, kids, Facebook, Jim Ross, BBQ, same for Instagram. And of course I, I actually do my own Twitter uh, for better, for worse at JRSBBQ. Point of that little little plug there was, is that I will keep you informed of where I'm going to sign books. And there'll always be the information on my website, uh, JRSBarbecue.com. So there's that. Tell us the latest on, uh, Blood red turns dollar green, folks. Uh, I, I I looked at it. It has so much texture to it. And actually being in a wrestling territory, actually yeah. growing up in an office that he was, Paul was writing about, I got it. I got yeah. this. I smelled it. Yeah. Okay. So I smelled it. Yeah. And there are at times when I walk into certain places and I get that a hint of that smell again. And all it is is stale cigars. <laughs> It's been layered on the layered in your room for for days on end, and in your clothes, yeah. and in the furniture, and your whole damn thing. So, tell us what's the latest on Blood Red, because I know there's so many exciting things. It's such a great product, and I, I told a lot of people that I've that I know that I said yeah. I, I've been so. This has got this is a hit somewhere. Somebody's got to fix this. So, what's going on there? Well, uh, I'm glad to say that it's gone. Uh, you know the Hollywood way, Jim. Um, you know there's uh, there's a mm-hmm. uh, what can I say? There's a very very large company with a very very large personality <laughs> who has uh, you know shown huge interest in us. Um, 
So our hope anyway, our want is that we want to turn this into a TV series, you know, for, for your listeners who might not know, Blood Red Turns Daughter Green is a, is a crime series uh, set in the territorial days of professional wrestling. So I, I was amazed, Jim, uh, and, and this is like where you and I are kind of linked. So before you and I ever hooked up to write your story, I listened to a story that you told um, that you were at a convention and, you know, some of the old timers were talking about how to get rid of this, this new guy on the block, Vince McMahon. And, uh, if I remember correctly, you were in the bathroom stall mm-hmm. and you had to lift your feet up off the ground. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't know that anybody was in there listening to their plan uh, of how to deal with this young whippersnapper who was coming in and changing the business. All right. I kept my seat, but I raised my feet off the ground. So it looked like the stall was empty. <laughs> And when I when I heard you tell that story and I saw that visual, I thought, how has nobody ever picked up on this before? Like, how do you tell the organized crime story, but in the professional wrestling business? You know, because I've I heard you call it over the years, you know, the nonviolent mafia, which is absolutely perfect. Now, of is. course, my, yeah. yeah. It was. It's not anymore, but it used no. to be. That's like saying the mafia is the same as it always was in Las Vegas. And oh, God bless everybody in Las Vegas. Yeah. But that's yeah. what a what it's just amazing i can't i'm just heartbroken yeah you know yeah. i i have seriously thought about moving to las vegas on more than one occasion and still right. entertain those thoughts for some business opportunities that uh may be presenting yeah. themselves but no matter where it is no matter oh. what country it is yeah. people losing their lives senselessly thinking i'm going to go out to a simple safe yeah. musical concert mm. and i and i can't come home alive it's amazing. It's oh. times. So anyway, but the blood red, I just think that, uh, you know, the, there's, there's guys out there that have, uh, they're doing very well in, in uh, Hollywood that have wrestling yep. backgrounds and mm-hmm. that are, are very creative. So I'm very excited about the future of that, uh, franchise. And I yeah. think that's how you got to look at it. It's a franchise. Definitely is, and the the world is so big. Um, you know, even when I was talking to to uh, certain uh, Hollywood production companies, you know, they were saying that the uh, the world is so big and so rich that you know you could tell this story in different corners of even the U.S. Never mind the world, but different corners of the U.S. Because as you know, Jim, better than most and most anybody, that all the territories had a different flavor. Yep. You know, they all had a different uh, you know different boss. They all had like different climate, different payoffs, different. Uh, distances between the the uh, the shows and so you know I do think that there's a universe there and this is what everyone is looking for at the moment I do think you know there's a good five six seasons uh, uh, seasons easy uh, and then you know you can widen it out past that so I think it has a lot of potential Jim I think uh, you know the right people are interested if you smell what I'm cooking and I do I think that's that's <laughs> that's always good we're gonna keep our ear to the ground on that deal because I just think it's a natural Paul tell everybody. How they can get your your books? There are three of them in yep. the in the series. What would you say? Sequels? Is that what? Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, yeah, they run one parts one, two, and three. All right, there you go. And um, um, I suppose in the best place uh, at the moment to get any book is on Amazon. So you can get it kind of worldwide on Amazon. I do know in North America, then you can get it in most bookshops. If you go to paulobrine.info, it has all the links there, so you can get your iBooks or you can get it from Amazon or Barnes and Noble. So all the links are on the on the website paulobrine.info. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. info. I mentioned before we went to the break, the ITV project. You yeah. Know, the, we're coming up uh, a couple, 10 months ago, we had New Year's Eve did the, uh, the two-hour special on ITV. 
really unique to me that they aired it on New Year's Eve because, you know, yep. a lot of people have, even though my dad always called it amateur night, Yeah, uh, a lot of people have plans or, or, yeah. or they might not be the hit of the ball if they want to sit on and watch wrestling Yeah, <laughs> on yeah. New Year's Eve. You want exactly. a what? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do what? <laughs> so uh, I, but the thing about it is that, and somebody missed this to me the other day on one of the interviews I was doing, the, the ITV thing. I said, look, I don't know where, the, where that whole project is, but I do yeah. know that the executives at ITV that were working on this love wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they dearly yep. love wrestling. And they truly believe that a pro wrestling show on their network would do big business. And I concur. So yep. I don't know who's going to put, or if anybody's going to put a show yep. on ITV, but for a lot of folks that aren't familiar with it, Paul, don't realize what a monster it is. You're there. You're in Ireland, mm-hmm. but, you, mm-hmm. but that's the other magic. Yeah. The ITV doesn't care where you because they get you there too, right? I mean, Yeah, they do. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. It's a monster. It is, Jim. And it's, it's such a tradition. You know, I know um, William Regal, uh, I follow him on Twitter. And, uh, you know, he has some amazing stuff from the old world of sport days where, where he would have started out with some of the legends, you know, uh, Johnny Sant and, and Rocco and, and those guys, Mick McManus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up loving that show. Uh, I would dearly love to see it back. Um, and in a strange way, I don't know how this would all work, Jim, but I would love to see William Regal involved with that, I think. I don't know whether he has any interest in it, but he has such a passion for that time. He has such a passion for, you know, uh, English wrestling. He has such a passion for those who helped him rise up uh, that I think he, he or, you know, someone like Robbie Brookside would be would be ideal to be at least involved. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether WWE would like to get in bed with ATV or not. But, well, here's the thing I'd say, I, and I don't know what yeah. their deal is, but why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah why, I, I agree. Why, is it totally impossible? Well, no. No. Is it likely? Probably not. But yeah. But you never know. It depends on how bad all the entities would enjoy doing business. But yep. I also know that WWE's got a very long and successful relationship too with with Sky. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I don't know how uh, a, an entirely different league or different show would uh, fit that scenario contractually, as far as exclusivity exactly. is concerned. So there would be a lot of things at play. But the, that's not the point. Wasn't to try to marry WWE to ITV. The point is the ITV project. I got the taste of it. I got a little bit mm-hmm. of you know some time there. Yep. I loved it. I loved it, and yeah. I could see, and I could feel, more importantly, I could feel, yeah. more importantly, there's something there with a fun one-hour show on a Saturday afternoon. It would kill. It would, and it would get monster ratings, you know, because it's just on traditional TV. I mean, it's not, you know, you don't need a subscription to get it, and that's why the numbers are always going to be bigger than they would be on Sky, for instance. Uh, I think it just makes sense. I mean, the audience is there. The channel is there. It's just it's a matter of getting the right partners together to make the right type of wrestling show because, you know, the world of sport is a very particular type of, of wrestling show as well. I think you guys, like, when you did your your special, really managed to, you know, bring in the kind of the new faster pass wrestling with the old traditional, and I love seeing some of the vignettes of the older guys. And those, Adelaide. those are great, those, weren't they? Yeah, they were amazing. I love, uh, those. So I love those. Those are great. Yeah. Well, the, there's a sense of, in that part of the world, for a pro wrestling mm-hmm. fan, when you're privileged to be able to rub elbows with some of those guys, yeah. you get a sense of pride 
how proud these men and women, Klondike Kate, for example, of their contributions. And, you yeah. know, I, meeting uh, Marty Jones and Johnny mm-hmm. Saint, Mark uh, Rollerball, Rocco. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some good dudes, man. What yeah. great storytellers and drinkers and yeah. good guys. And, and But, boy, they were real. And, yeah. uh, you know, they were the kind of guys that if they went into a, a pub somewhere and some, some big tough bastard wanted to try to whip the, the phony wrestler's ass, the <laughs> big tough guy could very easily be humbled in front of his own people. Oh, absolutely. Those guys were all legit, you know. And again, like when you have someone like Regal who come up when he was 16, 17 years old and he was getting beaten from pillar to post by these guys with love, you know, they liked him. Uh, but they were just showing him that this is this this was the way we do this, kid. Um, all of that, I, I love all that traditional stuff. I love all that way of coming up. I love the kind of respect that that has. And, you know, as well, just talking about like today's uh, wrestlers, like again, I was, I was, uh, privileged enough to be uh, in the in the company of the uh, wrestlers at this year's Wrestlemania so you know the guys and girls that weren't on the show or who had just finished their match so there was the WWE had rented a whole kind of skybox there in um, in Orlando is that called the Sun Life Stadium and I got to observe Jim and uh, the guys and the girls from NXT who were watching the likes of Baron Corbin uh, have his Wrestlemania match were on their were on the edge of their seats for him. They didn't know anyone was listening. They didn't know anyone was watching. There was no TV around. There was no quote fans unquote around. And it was just it was amazing to see that every time you know he got hit or he hit somebody like they were feeling it. They were up cheering for him. Uh, and for me as a complete outsider to see that like that was fascinating as well. You know. And now we all know there's competitive kind of, you know, jealousy and all that stuff goes on. I think a lot of that is healthy. But, you know, kind of respecting the business and respecting people in the business, I think that was very, very evident. Uh, and I don't think as well, you know, it's no coincidence that those guys are, you know, under the likes of Regal and Robbie Brookside and Adam Pearce and, and, and uh, Steve Carino. And, you know, I don't think that that's an accident that they, that yeah. they react that way. Yeah, Norman Smiley and... Norman Smiley, Terry Taylor, Taylor. good, good staff. Yeah. Big Matt Bloom, the yeah. coach, and yeah, don't, right. don't forget the brains behind the outfit, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sarah D'Amato, yep. she's the she's the she's the heartbeat of that group. Can you see that some of these kids, like let's say a Finn Balor or a Becky Lynch, two kids mm-hmm. from your neck of the woods that you yep. know and you're proud of, mm-hmm. you've been supporting yeah. for a long time. I can see those people contributing to WWE long after their wrestling in ring career has ended. That's the kind of people that they're recruiting there now, and they're they're bringing up through their program, and so you don't just not only get out of some of those guys a long in ring career, but when that ends, you make that transition and segue right into the post wrestling career. And to me, that's encouraging as hell. I agree. I mean, uh, Becky and Finn, Becky in particular, uh, you know, great wrestling brand. And, you know, they don't just go out and, uh, you know, do what's asked of them, which, of course, they do. But they're able to contribute and they're able to figure out why I should be doing this now and why I should be doing that now. You know, and, and people would come to them and ask them, what do you think of, you know, of, of this or that? And I just think you're right, Jim. I mean, now is the time, you know, if, if WWE for me is so ripe for the pickings in terms of just people stepping up now. Yeah, it You is. know, like who's, who's hey. going to be the next batch? Yeah. Uh, they, Amen. They have... They have unlimited amounts of uh, hours to fill, uh, both on the network and on their, their regular TV shows. Like, 
Who wants it? Who's going to step yep. up? Who's going to take that risk? Okay, let me, ask this, let me ask this question. Here's a question yeah. for you. How many times can you watch a television program mm. and pick out the matches, whether it be featured matches or uh, supporting matches, where you can recognize readily that there's one person, if not both, in the match, if it's, if it's a singles match, that is out to win match of the night. They're out mm-hmm. to make sure that nobody's going to follow this shit. I am yep. going to. I am going to take the highest backdrops. If I'm going, to, if I'm doing the honors, you're going to get a hell of a win because I am going to fight your ass. Yeah. And you're going to beat somebody. And I'm whether I go down or I'm up or down, I'm going to. I'm going to give you great bumps, great hustle. I'm going to yep. lay my stuff in. Sometimes on all pro wrestling, and, I, and I'm you know home alone, and I watch a lot of wrestling because I got control mm-hmm. of the, the remote nowadays. <laughs> I trade that deal, but nonetheless, that's how it is right yeah. now. I see it on all wrestling shows. Somewhere yeah. along the show, somebody phones some shit in. Yeah. And somewhere on the show, you'll see somebody that had a match that wasn't the top of the hour, or the bottom of the hour, for example, or wasn't yeah. a TV main event on the one hour shows. And they're yeah. just on the show, right? Yeah. Segment two. Yep. Yep. Well, there's where you go out there and blow that son of a bitch away. Exactly. There's an awful lot of looking back that's going on with this particular batch or whatever it is, these, you know, these last five years or whatever, where people are looking back to see, am I the next, you know, Eddie Guerrero, right? Am I the next whatever? Like, I'm just looking for someone to be uniquely themselves, like just burst through, you know, you don't have to pay homage all the time. You don't have to, you know, uh, do callbacks to five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Like, who is that person that's just uniquely themselves? And strangely enough, like uh, someone like a Braun Strowman who's just coming out there and being as he has tattooed on his arm, country strong. You know, you can say he's a hybrid of like a Steve Austin and a Brock Lesnar and a Big Show or whatever you can say. That's fine. But he's not trying to be somebody else. He's not trying to be a homage to somebody else. He's just, for right or for wrong, he's uniquely himself at the moment. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that's, for me, that's the foundation of wrestling. Like, you know, why do I pay my, uh, my, my ticket price to go and see these, these people? Because they're uniquely themselves. I cannot see these people anywhere else Absolutely. or people like them. Well, so for me, that that's you know, if people can just to kind of burst through that that uh, the the glass ceiling for me, Jim, isn't so much in terms of opportunity or whatever. The glass ceiling for me is a creative, a personal creative glass ceiling. Like, can you figure out what makes you uniquely you, and why people should pay to see that? And if you can, now you're onto something. I have always had this pet peeve, and you probably got a million of my bullshit pet peeves. But you know, I uh, I just I'm not big on uh, overthinking some things. I just think the good Lord has made some things very clear. Yep. When all this went down with Jan in March, I really, you know, I, I'd mentioned it. I, I just, I felt so lost yep. and I felt so empty and I felt so, I had so much to do Yep. and I was overwhelmed. And I just believe that, uh, why don't we just table the book for a while? Let me kind of get my, yeah. my, let me get back on the, my feet on the ground and, you know, let yep. me tend to her. Mm-hmm. situation so but it just didn't make sense uh, no. i mean for me after thinking and walking around and driving around and sitting by sitting in my chair yep. i just believe that this book is a testimony to a great marriage and mm-hmm. a wonderful woman yep. who, who played a very unsung role uh, in my journey in wwe yeah. and beyond and before and beyond yeah and i thought the opportunity for this book to be in somebody's hands whether it be a man or a woman, because there's yeah. a, there's a hell of a love story here in this book. Absolutely. Don't you think? Yep. I couldn't agree more, Jim. You know, and it's, um, 
the story of when you first met Jan and then you know there's the uh, I don't want to give too much away but like there was the challenges when you first got married yeah uh, you know there was a series of challenges actually one after the other um, and you know I think you turned to her and you say you know are you glad you married me now <laughs> and she never wavered one bit no you know? she was she was a woman with a plan she knew what she was going to do she knew what you and she needed to do yeah and uh, and then as well of course you know and people probably do know this but they should know this that you know, Jan herself had some amazing insights and inputs into the actual book itself, as in, you know, you would you and I would talk and you say, Well, I was talking to Jan last night and you know, let's let's move this in direction or let's move in that direction and you know, uh, her suggestions always made sense, Jim. You know, she she obviously knew you better than anybody. And uh, you know, when she would read a section uh, of the book. Oh. It was always a great thrill for me to hear the, the kind of she, feedback. She she uh, every word. Yeah. Every word. She hung on, and uh, that, that's what my, one of my most vivid memories uh, of her uh, yeah. that really is easy for me to conjure up or to cre- recreate in my mind is, yeah. again, me coming to bed, she's sitting yeah. up in the bed, uh, yeah. pillow behind her back, reading the yeah. transcript, our latest transcript, our latest rewrite <laughs> of, our, of our book, and, yeah. uh, and with her pencil out. Circling yeah, things man. and all, just just in a, in a frenzy, you know. And yeah. She didn't want us to overuse the uh, use of the f bomb. That's right. I guess yeah. got scolded on that a time or two, but yeah. so, but that this uh, it's a lot of her in that, and you know, my life's been so good, and I was like I said, I the only way I get through this deal, man, is I got to almost twenty five years with her. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty cool. So I'm I'm blessed with that deal. I'm blessed to meet you too, my friend. So. I think we've got a good start for our week. I, I hope that folks yep. will re- reach out to at Amazon. As you said, it's kind of the Amazon sort of the catch-all. Our book mm-hmm. is available wherever books are sold. Yeah. And that includes Barnes & Noble. It includes uh, Books A Million, yep. uh, pretty much wherever books are sold. Paul was telling me, I think, earlier that Kindle and e-books, and all, all, stuff, I don't even know what it is, to be honest with you. <laughs> But tell us more about that, because Paul, you're you're more attuned to that stuff because of the blood red books. But our our book is yeah. allegedly available in every platform. Yep, it certainly is, and including the audio platforms that I know a lot of people, Jim, are really really excited about. I mean, the voice of our our wrestling journey is going to read his own story, uh, and it's going to be available on. Uh, this week, Tuesday, isn't that right? It's coming up at the same yeah, time. Same time. It's available now. Yeah. Yeah. Audiobooks.com. Uh, available now, and uh, I'm excited for that. Like, I want to hear that, even though, you know, you and I have, have read and, and gone over the story a thousand times. I'm genuinely excited to hear, you know, how the voice of, you know, my wrestling journey reads his own wrestling story. It's just, it's like the perfect package. <laughs> so it is, it's, it's available, uh, you know, anywhere books are sold, as in paper books, but it's also available anywhere that digital books are sold. So again, Barnes & Noble have their digital store. You have the iBook store. You have the Kindle store. So if you're on a reading device, just go to whatever your preferred digital store is, and uh, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, will be sitting there waiting for you. It's funny that, uh, that's great news, good information. Uh, it's funny that uh, the, 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 our, our book is already developing a little personality. Yeah. Uh, it's because, it's, as I mentioned, it's, they dropped the My Life in Wrestling <laughs> part. It's just Slobberknocker now. So, just, so I, I think what it says is that we're all on a first-name basis. We are. And, you know, it's such a superstar now. It's like Cher 
or Beyonce Jim. I don't even need the first now. <laughs> yeah, share. <laughs> now you're really dating yourself. Like a turn back time, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard you. Right there. I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, well, listen. I appreciate you taking the time to be with me and us. As and I appreciate you staying up late uh, where you are in Ireland, and uh, you know we hope to have a. I just don't think it would be right if we didn't have a book signing in Ireland. I'm with you there, Jim. Uh, I think we would get a, a colossal crowd. I think people would show up for you, uh, and and it'd be great as well. well I'll, for, just, I'll just use you to get my rub. <laughs> well, I'm hoping for it to be the other way around. You know, yeah. it's funny sometimes on Twitter people would say. Are you going to be at a book signing with Jim Ross? And I'm like, yeah, for the one or two people who want to come and see Paul O'Brien, <laughs> there's a star. I understand my place, you know. <laughs> you, know you know your role. I know my role, exactly. Yeah. We all know our role. We all know yeah, our yeah. role, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, uh, I appreciate you, your your work, your genius at what you do, and you Thank heard you, my sir. voice, and you, you brought it to life, yeah. and I'm very, very proud of what we have. I'm glad we finished. I yeah. really am yeah. happy that we finished, and I – didn't yep. lay down, get the limber tail. Didn't. I didn't get the limber yep. tail on that deal. So, and folks, remember again, blood red turns dollar green is is going to be big. It's going to be there's some major things. Uh, if you smell what I'm cooking, and that's going to be big. It's going to be wonderful because it, if you read the three books that you can get on Amazon, for example, the trilogy, you'll see exactly what I'm saying. If you like crime dramas, if you like wrestling, you like the territory days, like a little nostalgia, little little mis, you know misdirection, uh, this, the underbelly of certain things, you're going to dig the hell out of this man. And it is when it jumped off. It, it was like our book Millie with Mildred Burke, the Queen of the Ring. Yeah. The reason we're making a movie right now of Millie, yeah. called Millie, uh, about Mildred Burke, based on Queen of the Ring, is because when I read it. It jumped at me and slapped me in the face, got me in a headlock, and I felt yeah. it and I saw it and I could. I said, "Man, this is a goddamn book. This yeah. is a this is a league of our own meets Boardwalk Empire." Yeah, this is good stuff, man. So uh, when I read Paul's book, I'm thinking, "Damn, this guy's really accurate, and he's and he's not yeah. even been in territory. He's researched yeah. this, just feel." Yeah, yeah. So and then I said, "Well, if he can do that to characters that didn't never exist, <laughs> I wonder what he could do to me." Yeah. So and here's where we are. So and the end result is our book. So that's where we're good. Thank you, Paul, and uh, have a great week. And let's keep each other informed of how things are going and and enjoy the moment. How about that? Let's just enjoy Absolutely. what we're what, what we've accomplished. Exactly. We're going to bask for a day or two, Jim. But I just want to say, listen, you know, you took a risk on a guy from you know thousands of miles away to handle your life story. I'd be forever grateful for that. I hope I've done you proud. I hope the readers. Uh, enjoy what we've done together uh, with Scott as well and I just want to say Jim that uh, you know you've always had a good eye for talent um, you know in, in your line of work and I'm, I'm just I couldn't be happier uh, or more honoured that you, you use that same way to pick like I said some guy out of the crowd from Ireland and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure for me so thank you very much The Ross Report The Ross Report Well I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did really appreciate Paul O'Brien singing up late in Ireland. And that's, but that's kind of been our whole MO. I've stayed up some really late times, you know, where I'd call him at three or four in the morning, my time, which would be mid morning, his time. And we had a lot of those conferences and it never made any difference. If it was a weekend or a holiday. He and I were together 
uh, working on this book. And I'm so thankful that I got the courage to finish it because I really had second thoughts. And I'm glad I didn't. So it's available right now, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. Amazon, one place to start. It's available wherever books are sold. Next time I'm going to be on the road doing Ringside with Jim Ross, I'm going to be on the road a lot this fall uh, with book signings. And that schedule is going to be out soon. And you can keep up with all that stuff at my website at jrsbarbecue.com. If you don't think about it, you might want to bookmark it or whatever the hell you do that reminds you of that kind of thing. But we're going to be in Boston for Ringside with Jim Ross. I'll be joined by my sidekick from time to time, Jeremy Borash, JR and JB in Beantown on uh, Saturday, December 16th. We'll be at Laugh Boston, everybody, the same weekend on Saturday that WWE will be in town on Sunday for their Clash of Champions. And tickets for our show in Laugh Boston are on sale now at uh, laughboston.com. And that includes the uh, pre-show VIP meet and greet photo op uh, autograph thing. And then at the end of the show, we have our big uh, Q&A. And there's no preconditioning on the Q&A. You ask what you want. We don't screen those kind of things. We use your, we think your common sense and your judgment is, is good. Now, I have had some, you know, they always said, you know, it's an adventure when you get a wrestling fan, a real big wrestling fan, a real diehard, a learned fan. When they get uh, loaded with booze at one of our clubs, like Laugh Boss, it could happen, and they have a live mic, it's an adventure. And that's all I'm going to say. That's what you get. So, uh, Laugh Boston on Saturday, December 16th. Hope to see you there with Jeremy Borash and myself. My YouTube channel is free, jrsvideos.com. Keep that in mind. I thank you guys for shopping at www.shop.com and at Ingalls Markets throughout the Southeast. Ingalls Markets, a wonderful company, family-owned. They're the nicest grocery stores I've ever shopped in. Ingalls Markets throughout the Southeast. And a lot of my friends in Atlanta. Tony Schiavone was even telling me he goes to Ingalls and gets our mustard. So, uh, and I appreciate that from good old Tony. It's not a seasonal product. You know, you can, all of our products are good on stovetops in the kitchen, but uh, they're really good on the grill. And uh, ketchup mustard's my favorite. But I'm biased as hell. Yes, I indeed am. So, uh, but check it out. We have made, everything is gluten-free. Uh, it is all vegan-friendly. Uh, and there's no high fructose corn syrup in our products any longer. So, there you go. Healthy and good. www.shop.com. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening to the show and supporting our sponsors when you can, whether it be True Car, DDP Yoga, whatever it might be. doesn't matter. We appreciate it very much. And we appreciate them for keeping our show free. Remember to support Podcast One and download the brand new, brand new. <laughs> well, I, didn't, uh, I invented the term of brand new. I, uh, I took a kid in my dungeon and I, I put a brand new ass whipping on him. Hmm. Okay. Good for you, Stu. Good, good for you to check in every now and then, too. We, we don't want to forget about you. And uh, uh, Podcast One app, that uh, app is at the App Store, by the way, and on Google Play. It's a one-of-a-kind app. And it's no, you haven't seen anything quite like it before. I think you're going to really dig it. And you can connect with listeners of our show and more. There's a lot of neat things on this new app. So check it out at uh, the App Store and on Google Play. I love it when you say Google Play, my boy. You can play with my Google any kind. Hey, 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 hey. Easy now. Somebody's been in the cooking sherry again. Mr. Barnett's on the Boone's farm. Oh, my God. 
Fuck out, ladies and gentlemen. And remember, you go to podcast one, podcast O and E dot com, click on the killer deals button at the top of the right corner of the page, and then uh, click on the Ross Report banner, push you right where you want to be. So coming up on Tuesday, Jason Powell has a much better voice than I. He will join me and we'll talk about uh, Hell in a Cell, Monday Night Raw, get a little update on what's going on in Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor Wrestling, New Japan. Of course, on New Japan, you can see us every Friday night, Access TV, Josh Barnett and I covering that big old G1 tournament. Hope you'll join us. So Jason Powell with me next week. Hope you'll be back as well. If you subscribed at Apple Podcasts, you won't have to worry about it because it'll automatically be downloaded into the device that you choose. So that's a pretty simple little piece of business. I really do appreciate you guys being with us this week. Thanks for listening about how we, Paul and I, kind of came together and writing this book and some of the challenges we faced. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm glad that we were blessed with the courage and the strength to finish. And I hope that you'll enjoy it as well. So from my home state of Oklahoma, yes, I'll be at the brunch game on Saturday morning as the Iowa State Cyclones come into my hometown, play the Oklahoma Sooners in Norman, Oklahoma. It's my adopted hometown because my friends, my family's going to Westfield's going to say, wait a minute, I thought you were a Westfield Yellow Jacket. I am and always will be, but I now live in Norman. So I'll be there on Saturday. It's going to be fun. I might even go down to Ardmore on Saturday night, go to Oklahoma. I'm thinking I might just drive by and see my friends. There's a lot of guys down there I know. Oklahoma in Ardmore, Hardy Murphy Coliseum. That'll be this Saturday night. It'll be a lot of fun down in Ardmore, no doubt about that. But uh, until then, ladies and gentlemen, from the uh, sleepy streets of Chickasha, Oklahoma, the streetlights are on, but they're flickering. As I get on my horse, I ride out of town, and I will say this one more time. So long, everybody! Thanks for listening to The Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Trump and the memo. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. Trust your FBI director on this. President Trump is back at the White House from West Virginia. Trust your memo, Mr. President. On the, memo, sir. on the memo, sir. White House officials say President Trump will clear the way for the publication of a controversial GOP-authored memo, despite objections from the FBI. The memo was prepared by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and is said to allege misconduct by the FBI in its investigation of potential ties between Russia and Trump's 2016 campaign. Shots were fired at Salvador B. Castro Middle School this morning in Los Angeles. Two students were injured. The most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that received a gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing in critical but stable condition. A female student is in custody, and the police chief in Los Angeles says they believe she is 12 years old. Police say a gun has been recovered. Another student, a 15-year-old, is in fair condition. I'm Ed Donahue. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.